listening to the Jersey Guys Podcast, the show that talks about hard rock, heavy metal, AOR, and West Coast music. In-depth conversation and special guests are always on tap, so settle in and turn it up. Now, here are your hosts, Tom and Mark. Hey everybody, this is Mark Ballow from the Jersey Guys Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Tom Coyne, and today uh, in the studio we've got a special co-host, uh, Phil Benedetto. If uh, you guys were following along or are following along to our podcast, uh, you will know the name Phil Benedetto. Uh, he was our very first guest back last year when we started this podcast, and uh, Phil, of course, was the owner of Zigzag Record Stores in Brooklyn and Staten Island, New York, and uh, we thought we would have Phil in here today because our special guest today is Rick Van Ventura from formerly of Riot, but uh, currently of the band uh, Riot Act. And so we thought Phil would come in and share some old stories and let's get to it. Hey, Rick, it's Tom. Uh, Tom, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? All right. I'm here with uh, my co-host, Mark, and our special guest host from Brooklyn, uh, somebody I think you're probably uh, familiar with, and he's certainly familiar with you, uh, Phil Benedetto from Zigzag Records. Oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> We're going to hit you with a lot of uh, 70s uh, Brooklyn stuff. 70s Brooklyn, oh my goodness. So stay on your toes because we're on our toes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to fail. <laughs> can uh, can we take you back to Brooklyn in the 70s? All right, yeah. I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time there. So so where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up um, right off Flatbush Avenue and Avenue N. So me and Tom were, the, were there. Of course, I was on King's Highway, and then I worked in Zigzag Records and later owned it. That was on Avenue U. Yeah, I remember. Sure, I've yeah. been in there. And I was an early, early, early Riot fan. And I think like you, I discovered Riot playing block parties in Marine Park. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's where I found Riot in my neighborhood, actually. Mark lives like two blocks away from me. And... uh I remember uh, running across them at a block party. Yeah, that was a big thing in the 70s. Yeah. And hanging out in the store and being heavy metal guys or metal guys in the early days, we were always reaching out for something new. And, and there was Rock City uh, album, and we were just floored with that. And I, I was just taken aback because now all of a sudden it's a neighborhood band that representing right. us. So we, right, we had that, right. Im, that immediate um, bond. And then I worked in the store. So, and and Guy would come in and some of the right. guys would come in. So yeah, it was great. It was just, just amazing. So it, oh, was like, cool. it was like our band. <laughs> we were growing yeah, up with sure, the band. Yeah. yeah, it was like that, you know, in the music store, we used to go to King James Music right. and they'd lend us equipment and, you know, we were like, right. The neighborhood names before I was in the band, you know, but I was, yes. I was I became friends with Mark uh, just because I ran into him at a block party and then, you know, wound up just visiting him and, you know, just walking around the corner and stopping by and becoming friends with him. Probably knew them before. I mean, you knew Guy before when he was um, before Riot, right? Didn't did he he sang in bands before? I remember for Shake's yeah. sake. Does that ring a bell? 
to shake sake sure sure yeah and the guitar player jimmy yeah the gearies yes 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 we're going back now <laughs> oh yeah 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 i remember them wow wow i remember seeing them sure so in those days it was it was um, weird because we're in our 60s but in, in those days it was underground it was really an underground scene oh sure and the thing about riot is they were there from the beginning and right. and and as the popularity grew they were right there i mean they they were our band they were right there um should have been should should have taken off so much farther but you know a lot of um people say it was a bad luck and but the guys went so far in such a short amount of time right so from some 75 they formed rock city comes out in 77 you come right. in at around what 79 yeah mm-hmm and in 1980, you tour him with Black Sabbath, Sammy Hagar, <laughs> play in England. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. It's, it seems short, um, but yeah, I think when you look back at it. But I mean, Mark and, and Guy were working quite a while uh, trying to get the right combination of people uh, just to get Rock City happening. And um, yeah, everything Guy was doing was totally left field because you know we were coming out of disco and punk you know that's <laughs> i mean brooklyn was heavily absolutely you, know, you don't have to tell me <laughs> yeah you know there's a whole disco scene and uh i mean we've got had their disco sucks shirts on yes. Yes. <laughs> it was a funny period you know and he was right playing you know, hard rock and uh free metal stuff uh so right it was really out of place you know really what, what was going on but you know, there's guys like you, and there was a lot of a lot of fans of the band, you know, that that dug the music, and uh, it kept, you know, kept the band, you know, I guess going. But yeah, it, it's it's those first few years. I remember there was a lot of a lot of struggles just trying to get to get noticed and get somebody interested in the band. Yeah, I guess you know, it's like three or four years for opening for Sabbath. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so, so in retrospect, it was a show. I mean, probably back then it seemed like so long. And so I guess hard, it seemed forever. Yeah, right? it hard seemed fought forever. battle. But but we looking back at it today, I mean, it went yeah. so far in what we now think is a short amount of time. Rick, if you could yeah. tell us how you actually came to come into the band on the second album, I know L.A. Cuvallis was the original second guitar player who got displaced, and you came into the band. Right. How did that all come about? Well. Um, you know, I, I knew all the guys. You know, I was uh, I was friends with Jimmy, uh, the bass player Jimmy Naomi. I uh, I was in a band with him, and we were good friends. And uh, you know, and I knew Mark. Uh, I was always over there. I mean, I would hang out with Mark until like five in the morning, talking about guitars and gear and and music. So we really bonded. When Lou was in a band, I was I was in. I think I was uh, I was playing in like a Jersey cover band, and. Uh, and I'd always would stop by and always hanging out with Ryan and Mark. And so when Lou was gone, I remember Jimmy saying, let's just get Rick, you know, and they, and everybody just said, yes, yeah, like the perfect replacement, you know, he knows the material, the sound of the band and guitar style. And it just, you know, it was just, I guess the perfect replacement. So that's how that happened. So at that point in time, you recorded the album uh, Narita. If you could tell us a little bit about the recording process, the writing process, and yeah, they was they had started working on material 
for Narita. Lou actually had some riffs uh, on Narita. I don't know if he got credit for them. I, I don't recall, though. I, I think he was telling me, he, he, when we first got right act together, he was telling me, you know, what riffs he did, and he got credit for some of them. So some of the songs were, were written already, and uh, so when I came in, um, we had just rehearsed them and just started going to, into the studio, and it was my first time in the recording studio, so it was a little nerve-wracking at first. But then I got to... Uh, since most of the material was, it was probably halfway done, I had contributed, uh, what song was it? Waiting for the Taking. We co-wrote the Mark and Guy, and uh, that was the only song I got, had uh, part of in Narita. You know, I got to play guitar solos and the rhythm and guitar solos on, on practically most of the songs there, you know, Mark and I. So it was, you know, just getting my feet wet in the recording studio and... Uh, it was fun. I was excited as hell to be in the band. You know, I was like, wow, you know. So that that was really, I remember spending countless hours in the city. Uh, and we, we had a blast. It was just fun. It was just pure fun. And where was the band at that point in time in, in terms of a, a live setting? What, what type of shows were you doing? Hot headlining, opening? What I remember, was the touring well, schedule? We, we had gone to Texas because Texas uh, radio station in San Antonio was uh, – playing us and uh we i remember the first time going there we were treated like like stars i remember there was fans out waiting for us at the hotel and at the venue it was like wow we, we were shocked and we didn't realize because uh, that's always been a stronghold for like like this hard rock and metal music down there and uh they really latch on to bands you know first new whenever there's a new band they get excited you know the first person to find a band you know you turn your friends onto it so that's what, what it was like it just spread it was such a buzz about the band you know, we get airplay um trying to think from rock city what songs they were playing well probably rock city obviously and uh a few other tracks but when we went there for narita it was like really an eye-opener for all of us we were like kind of shocked the band has something here and every show we were playing we had played with ACDC, we played with Molly Hatchet, uh, and the band went over great. The fans were really just hardcore. They just loved the band so much. So that was our first taste of touring and getting, getting to see how Riot was going to evolve. We had re recently interviewed Roger Romeo from Legs Diamond, and they had a huge following in San Antonio, and he told us the oh, same yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, I think we played with them. Yeah, I I, th I think you did too. I wasn't sure, did. so I didn't want to say you did, but I, I yeah, thought you I mean, did I, also. Yeah, yeah, my memory is you know, some stuff I don't even remember. People have to remind me, but I'm pretty sure we played with them. That sounds Legs so Diamond. Yeah, had a tremendous following there, as did yep. Budgie from the UK. Uh, the, oh, Budgie, yeah. yeah, UK kind of. I uh, San Antonio latched on to a lot of those type of bands, either from the yep. UK or the or some of the East Coast, Definitely. West Coast, uh, USA bands. Definitely. Rick, do you remember those early days in the clubs in Brooklyn? Zappas. Oh, Zappas. I used to go to Zappas all the time. Oh, my God. That was our place. Zappas and Rock Palace. That's right. Rock, Rock Palace, Palace yep. right? That's right. So I'll tell you how oh, yeah. far back I go. Prior to you, do you remember that they did the video, the Riot Attacks? It was like a three-song oh, yeah. promo video. I was in that video in the crowd. Are you kidding? And wow. I'm, and I'm also in the, in the, uh, the My Father's Place video. I was there also. 
Oh, wow. Now, oh, wow. Now, I That's would say cool. anybody listening to this, go back and uh, watch that My Father's Place video. I mean, it, it is so great to this day. I could watch it and get chills. I mean, the performance was awesome. I mean, how do you feel yeah, but, when you go back and watch that? Well, that that was, uh, I know the band was smoking on they that were. show because we, we had just come off tour. So we flew up just to do that tour. So we were right in the middle of a tour. And when you're touring and you're playing like every other night or every night, the band is just so spot on. We just, we just knew it was just, you know, and playing, you know, in our home turf. So it was like, of course, we were going to just be right on the money. And it, and it just, it just showed, you know, just because we were touring, we were just so in the, in the zone, you know. You know, you put on that video today and you want to you can't stop watching you have to watch it from the beginning to end it's just so great it embodies <laughs> early 80s hard rock in, yeah. in in the east coast yeah it really does. Right. At their best. I, i've told people rick if, if you want to get a feeling especially younger people unlike me and phil uh -huh. if you want to get a feel for what the new york or east coast scene was for hard rock watch mm -hmm. that show because it Totally, right from the beginning of of the intro and and, and everything, the whole vibe embodied yeah. everything of early '80s hard rock on the East Coast. You're you're right on with that. Can I uh, can I take it into a little Speranza? Oh yeah, absolutely. So so you watch that video and and the whole band is awesome beyond belief. And you know I said seeing guy in the clubs, and and you guys played Donington. You guys played. Um, uh, Port Vale, you toured right. Europe. So a lot of a lot of people say that guy was wasn't into it or was shy or wasn't the greatest front man. But when I when I watch those videos, granted he wasn't running around all over the place, but he seemed to be comfortable and he seemed to be enjoying himself. He seemed to be in control. So why do you? Yeah. But why do the people? Some people say that that he wasn't into it. I don't, I don't know. I never got that impression. I mean, you look at him at the, on that video and like, he's definitely full of energy. Absolutely. I mean, he, was full of, he was always full of energy. He always got the crowd going. And right. yeah, I mean, I never, so, I, I, I never got that why people would say that. Um, which leads me to the point of his leaving and he leaves at the worst possible time <laughs> because you were yeah, at the apex of the popularity. Oh Oh and, yeah, we were we were about to break big. We were about absolutely. to break big. <laughs> and and so yeah. here's a funny story. So he yeah. right after he leaves, he comes to Zigzag Records with Gina. Is I don't know if he was married by that time or engaged. So he comes yeah, to the okay. store, and me being the big fan that I was, well, I I ripped into him, and I'm so oh, like, guy, wow. guy, how could you possibly leave at this moment? <laughs> I said, this whole scene is about to break. You're right there. You put all these years into it. Played England. You 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 played Donington. Right. The albums are great. I mean, why? Why would you leave? And he just sort of poo-pooed me and basically said that, you know, he wanted to start a family. He needed uh, security. Mm. I, I was just, and I don't think he liked me after that because. <laughs> wow. But but I'm I'm thinking to myself, okay, we all grew up Italian in Brooklyn, okay? He must have right. had pressure. He's going to get married. He must have had pressure from his family. He must have had pressure from her family. <laughs> he must have had pressure from her, <laughs> right? Uh, 
yeah, it's probably a pressure from her. I, I, but you know, it's like it's it's really it's a mystery <laughs> uh, because years later he wound up contacting Mark and they right. got together and wrote some material. They would get together, so it never left him. You know, I don't know if he left out of frustration of of. Uh, you know, our management was really, really <laughs> crappy, and, and and they really controlled everything. And I felt maybe he felt like he was being controlled. Uh, we weren't making any money. No. They, you know, every tour we did, every record advance, it all went to the uh, the two producers. Went into their studio up their nose. You know, maybe it was a frustration with, with the business that never getting paid and. Um, maybe figured, oh, it's, it's going to be like this for another few more years. I don't know. You know, when you, when you meet a girl and uh, mm-hmm. probably felt it was like, oh, wow, you know, they really both swept each other off their feet. Uh, Rick, correct me if I'm just, wrong. Was it G- Gina was the brother of uh, Jimmy Iommi. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yes. See, Rick, um, I told you we were going to come prepared for this. <laughs> I should have gave you a heads up. Nobody's hitting you no, with this, no, Rick. No, 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 nobody's going to cool, interview, yeah. interview you with this stuff. Two guys from Brooklyn, you, from the 70s. You know stuff. <laughs> yeah, you definitely know your stuff. Um, it's, it was always a, a mystery to me, you know, because like I said, years later, he did get together with Mark. So I, I don't I don't know. And he left right. We touring with Rush. We had just played Nassau Coliseum, right. you know. Now was it Nassau or Meadowlands that he left that, that I think it was the Meadowlands or Nassau? I don't know if it's I thought I thought it was Nassau. Well, it's, either one. Here's the here's yeah. Tashaka. He's playing his hometown. This is the, I know. this is the dream I of know. every rock and roll kid of course, growing up. Of course. And and you decide to leave when when you're playing the the, the biggest ve- not the garden, but the second biggest venue in your, in oh, your yeah, hometown. Yeah. And now you're gonna say goodbye? That should yeah, be the, yeah, that should know. have been the beginning, not the end. Oh, yeah, because when I played that, I mean, even my, my parents came to the gig. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> that's Jersey. That's, that was uh, Sandy Slavin from Morristown. That's, right. that's his territory. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah it's just, it, it was just, I just remember being backstage in the dressing room, and we all, all of us at different times were talking to him. We would take turns and try to persuade him because we couldn't believe that it was happening, you know. And I remember there was, there was one talk I had, it was just me and him. I just like guy, you know, who worked so hard to get this far, and like, why, you know, we were just trying to get answers, and and we just we got nowhere, you know. It was just yeah. he was done with it. He was just done with it. So even the, even as crushing as that was, you imagine even the fan, we were crushed. We were crushed as fans. <laughs> But that's, oh, sure, you know, yeah, I mean, that's like, it's, but, you know, when the lead, you lose a, a, a signature sound as a band, which, you know, God yeah. is so unique, and that's what gave Riot, you know, its unique sound was his vocals. Um, yeah, of course, you so, know, he, he just had a unique sound. So let me take it to this point. So so here we are as as fans, and I'm a, I'm a traditionalist, okay? Don't break up the band, please, that I love. So here it is, uh, right. this, this guy... My favorite, one of my favorite singers, leaves the band. Now, right. am I gonna still like Riot? So interesting. So here comes Red Forrester, who I knew, mm-hmm. who I knew from the club scene. He played in a band called Rachel, and he right. was great. Mm-hmm. We used to, I used right. to see him. But am I gonna accept him now in one of my favorite bands? Well, right. well, for a diehard to immediately take to the new lead singer, 
and say this new album is great. That was something to be said for you guys because you really right. didn't, you really hardly missed the beat because it, the next year the next album comes out with Rhett, right? It was it wasn't didn't wasn't yeah. a long time after, right? And you put out a great album. Yeah, I mean, I thought that album was really good, and uh, you know, the fans. I mean, it must have they must have been wow, what's going on here? But you know, we didn't we didn't throw a guy out of the band. He he left. We had no choice. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm sorry, yeah. from a fan's point of view, I'm, I'm saying to myself, I am not going to accept this. I put on the, well, I knew I, the singer, and I, I put on the record, and they say, this is great. So yeah, I mean, it's still, the, you know, the music's still there. Yeah, and it's absolutely. Like, if I mean, if, if the music sucked and and the singer sucked, you know, that's a different story. But the music was still good. Red, Red has, you know, his own persona, and uh, yes, he, he, I enjoyed Red. I, I like both periods of the band, you know. Um, so that's just the way it is. You know, some people prefer one over the other, some like both. I mean, it's like, you know, ACDC with Bon Scott or Brian Johnson or Van Halen. David Roth or Jimmy yes. Hager, you know, it's like. What was interesting, it was, it was great, both of them, but it, it was a totally different dynamic because let's face mm -hmm. it, Rhett was a front man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was totally like, yeah, you know, the long, Charisma. long hair. The leather and the, the southern accents. Yeah, he was definitely he was the embodiment of, of a lead singer, you know. So it brought that whole new acts aspect. And then yeah. great album. You get get Rhett who steps in steps in and is accepted. Uh and then you get yeah, now you have MTV and you're right. getting the video played on MTV. So all all is still going well, despite, right? Right. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and what happens then? You tell me. That's <laughs> <laughs> not the story, yes. Okay, then the record company and things are changing. They want the flavor of the day, am I correct? They probably want you to change. Uh, you, get no, you get no support. Yeah, we get no support. Um, but also uh, our, our producers were very demanding on the record company. Yes. Very demanding, like, you would think they produced like so many amazing hit albums by so many artists. And I think record companies didn't want to deal with them anymore. There's, there's a lot of factors that, that came into play. Just to back up a little bit, Rick, I had a couple of questions coming out of the mm -hmm. third album into Red Forest. How did you guys uh -huh. arrive on him? Was there an audition process? Was he a guy that you kind of had your eyes on? Was he some... Yeah, we were checking out tapes. We were checking out videos. You know, we saw him and, uh, you know, we saw a lot of guys and, you know, club singers, you know, since only a few of them that stand out. But he, uh, he just had command of a stage, you know, so and Mark immediately liked him. And uh, the producers liked him and gave him a shot, and he just uh, seemed to be the right guy. He just was very confident. Oh, he was great. I mean, um, he had. Mm -hmm. he, we were just talking about this, me and Phil, before we went on the air tonight. I, I thought he was ahead of his time at, at, at that point in terms of frontmen. I didn't think there were that many frontmen that, that weren't in like at an established band that right. had the command stage presence overall look vocal delivery at that snarling delivery at times he had the yeah. blues based yeah. delivery i didn't think there were that many front men uh you know except for your steven tyler's and you know the guys that were really established d snyder oh sure but he had that all intertwined right. in his delivery and really nobody even knew who he was you know like he made his name right. with, with yeah. you guys 
Yeah, for you know, because like I said, you know, he was in a club band, and but he stood out. You know, he definitely had something about him. Absolutely, that they, they could see could just transcends to a big stage, and uh, he just had that quality about it. He just way he carried himself, and he was yeah, like the epitome of the uh, the swagger. <laughs> Now, when yeah, he but, came in the band, I, I had wanted to ask you also, when he came in the band, were any of those songs or any of them demoed with the idea of Speranza being in the mix, or was it all written with uh, Red Forrester and with the intent to be Red Forrester songs? Yeah, I think they were geared toward that, because I, ha- I had nothing uh, at that point for Guy. I don't think Mark did. We tended to write for the upcoming albums and uh, and i know mark and i we both like red style because we were blues based guys you know mark loved the blues i loved the blues and he liked singers like paul rogers and uh i think mark like really liked writing for red and i know the songs that i wrote that um really delivered them uh so I, I had an easier time i think working with red on my songs and Mark enjoyed writing the songs with uh, with Red. I mean, you know, nothing against Guy. He liked writing the songs with Guy too. You know, we all did. Right. But I think just that's that style resonated with with Mark. Well, I I found even with this record and and the, the one after that we're going to talk about too, Born in America. Some of the songs mm-hmm. actually, at least to these years, had a Southern rock feel at times. Do you do you agree or or am I off base? Um, you know, I haven't gone to those albums, I just trying to remember some of the songs on them. You should give them a listen. They're pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the songs like Vigilante Killer, CIA, which is kind of heavy, you know, right. some really heavier stuff. Then uh, there is stuff that has, well, you know, that's from, from Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Get that Southern rock style of singing on some of his songs. And that's what I liked about him, too. There was so many yeah. different facets of him. He could, you know, had like a, yeah, a snarling way of singing. He had a southern yeah. way of singing. He had a very clean way of singing. There were a lot of facets to his vocals. My recollection is yeah. always on stage with a bottle of Jack Daniels in his head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, the, the, the rock and roll beverage. <laughs> and, you, and you got the feeling with Rhett that it wasn't like for show, that it was, <laughs> it was the real deal, which, you know, was... Put it over better, you know. There were certain guys yeah. that did that, you know. They were really, but like he had that that whole vibe about him. Oh yeah, no, no, no doubt, right? Whether whether it was real or not, you guarantee it was real, you know. Because uh, right, even if it wasn't, he yeah. he was very convincing. <laughs> yeah, it. exactly, exactly. So I wanted yeah, to talk he, about the follow up record, uh, "Born in America," where you changed okay. labels and um, a, a little bit of your your insight as to the writing process and your thoughts on that album. Uh, I like some of the songs on it. Uh, it gets overlooked, you know. It's a lot of people just forget about it because it wasn't on Electra anymore. I think right, we it was were on, uh, quality, quality, and then Grand up. Grand Slam, I think, picked it up after that. So it was quality. What did, I don't know where I got Jet from. Yeah, it was um, quality, and then Grand Slam, okay. I think, put it out on CD. And quality was Canadian, right? Yeah, so you know, things just you know, when you're on Electra, and then all of a sudden you're no longer there. Like we knew things were heading downhill i met my girlfriend at the time works for uh, arista records and uh 
I remember meeting with her boss, who was a fan of the band. Uh, can you can you remember who that was? Was it Mike Bowen? Yeah. Oh, wow, you're good. Yes, I am. <laughs> that's that's why I brought him wow. down here. He could fill in all the blanks that I don't have. Yeah, he, yeah, he was a he cool. was a, yeah he he signed the rods and yeah he was he was a nice yeah. guy. Yeah. He liked why, you know, and I remember, yeah, he was, you know, saying, you know, your management's, they're screwing everything up for you. And I remember meeting, um, I remember meeting Metallica at the Ritz when they were little kids before nobody knew who they were. And I met Cliff Bernstein, you know, who's like the big guy, Cliff Bernstein, you know. And I remember talking to him, and he liked Riot, and... I remember he was talking to me. He goes, you have to break away from those guys. You have to. It was. It became, everybody in the industry know, knew that they would, were bad news, you know. I remember him pointing to this to this couch. He goes, see these guys, they're going to be the next biggest thing. And he's like, these, these five little kids are there, and right. it's Metallica. <laughs> so, then, so then, Rick, what prevented you from, at that time, making that break? Well, you know something? We had a big blowout. Uh, Mark and Guy, for some reason, they were like so tied. This is before Red. I mean, we, we were trying to break away from them when Guy, right before Guy left the band and, uh, and continued with Red. But I don't know, man. Mark, uh, he, for some reason, he felt obligated for what all they, they did for the band and they put the money in, they got them somewhere. And they were just like, he was like brainwashed, I think. Because I remember Sandy and I and Kip, the three of us were going, we got to break away from these guys. They're ruining the band. It's going to all go, go to shit. And sure enough, that's what happened. Mark has made some very bad decisions. And that's really what us, because we really, the rest of us wanted to really break away. You know, here was, here, you know I'm hearing it from people in the industry, and uh, I don't know what was going on with Mark, you know. And then by, when Born America was over, um, it was just like, ah, the end is near. You know, I, I I had heard you in uh, other interviews say that you were surprised when you um, made an appearance at the New York show. What was it, Riot Five? Mm-hmm. I was at uh, that show. And, and Japan, and how you, the reaction that they people wanted to meet you and get your autograph. And yeah, it was so weird. I was shocked. I remember my girlfriend oh. was with me, and she was like, and we, we she couldn't believe it. You know. Uh, and I couldn't believe it because I had, you know, after I was out of riots, you know, it was just like, okay, it's over and that's it, you know. But, you know, throughout the years, you always you know, I run into people, oh, you were in riot, oh man, that was great, you guys should have been the biggest thing. And, and it, was, it, it always continued, you always read something and you found out we influenced so many of, so many newer heavy metal bands, things you, you watch. Uh, that metal show and you see some of the guys wearing a riot shirt and it was just like wow you know at that bb king show uh i was going to go there and surprise mark and uh then you know he's sick and then they called me up out of clear sky i get a call from guitarist mike because we'd like to come you know play a tune and i was going oh wow and i hadn't played a riot song in 30 years and it was like it was just so weird, you know, to be thrown into that. And I, I went there and I, I think I did sorts of the killer and then warrior, I think. And it was just like, wow, it's sort of like, that's how all this kind of started up again. My point yeah. was that was surprising to you, but for us guys, and especially me who uh-huh. owned a record store for 40 something years and specialized in hard rock and heavy metal, it was no surprise to me because those albums were on the were top echelon of, of, of hard rock and heavy metal records. And, well, the hardcore guys knew that. You know? Yeah, it's funny. So it's no it's surprise funny. to us. 
Yeah, see, right. You guys knew, and you know, I, I would meet some people, and I'd hear all this, and I'd go, "Oh wow, I guess we we're a bit more influential than I thought." Absolutely, <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask you, Rick, what happened in between the band breaking up uh, from the Born in America period to Thundersteel? Were you ever involved in I that? Was, what, what was? I didn't want, it was that was that was just the end of everything. I was just I just. I just vanished, and uh, I put together a band. I was trying to get something together on my own. So, yeah, he, so Reali didn't reach out to any original guy. That was a, a no. total new baby of his. That total he new. Yeah, he just uh, he had hooked up with someone in San Antonio, the bass player, and they just took it into a total thrash direction, a very totally different direction. And towards the end of Riot, uh, when I was in it, I was even saying to Mark, you know, this is not, it's not, it's not right anymore. It's, it's, it's turning into something else. And the Mark started to get into that more of the hardcore speed metal stuff. And, and that just wasn't my thing. And, uh, so then, you know, he continued the band and got new players and did the Thunderstreet period, you know, so it's a whole new sound and, and direction for him. Now, now, Donnie Van Steren actually went back as far, though, as as the Red Forest period at some point. Is that am I correct about that? Yeah, I think he somehow played with them. I don't know. He, right. he was originally a fan of the bands, and so Mark met him in San Antonio. So I, they might have played together because I've seen pictures of him with Red on yes, stage. So exactly, I have too. Yeah. So. What I wanted to ask you also is how you got in, how did you get involved with the more recent uh, period of Riot? Because I, I was a big fan of the Thundersteel period with Tony Moore and Mike Flint right. and Bobby, who's now a country western drummer. Really? He, he's, he's, drummer. Jo- he's George Strait's drummer. You kidding? He's really? got the biggest wow. drum gig in all of country music. He's George Strait's oh drummer. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, for a while, for probably wow. the last better part of a year and a half, two years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they're all great players. I mean, oh yeah, no, those guys were tremendous. Mike Flint is a great guitar player. He's a great guy, and uh, he actually plays on uh, on the bonus disc that we did. Um, What was the question again? I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, The question was, I don't know. I don't even. (laughs) I got sidetracked with with Bobby playing for George Strait. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Shocking. You you were mentioning all the. How did you get? How did you get more involved? Because I know you've done. I was at that BB King show. I think it was. It was roughly ten years ago. I had no idea okay, you were so going to come out and play. That show was actually yeah. was canceled at some point because Reality wasn't able to play, and then they right. it, they put it back on. Freezing cold night in January. I never forget. It was about fifteen degrees out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I had yeah. no idea you were going to appear with them. And you have had s- sort of a um, a connection to this to, to this more recent lineup with Todd singing and most of the guys from the Thundersteel period. Are are you somebody that um, obviously embellishes that whole period? Like you, you're you're part supportive. of that. You're supportive. Supportive. Oh, you know, you know what's so funny? I really didn't pay a, a lot of attention to Mark at all for so many years. You know, it was really weird. Uh, I would hear snippets. I remember a friend of mine played. I forgot what incarnation of Riot, but Mark had covered uh, an Al Di Miola song. Right, because that was that I, I skipped over an entire period. Because after Thundersteel, it he kind so of got periods. rid of, and then he brought in Mike DeMio as a singer, right. and he did about ten years worth of records where he really did like a lot of Rainbow, 
and right. uh, Thin Lizzy type of stuff. He he abolished the the speed metal and kind of went back to the roots of a, a lot of Deep Purple, uh, Thin Lizzy, and Rainbow with Mike DeMio singing. Right. Yeah. So I, I would I would every once in a while I hear some you know somebody would play me something and I would go oh wow it's pretty you know pretty good. I mean Mark is always a great player you know, but you know I guess I just uh, I I just viewed that period that I was in and I, I was just moving on. I was just playing various things. I was just, I was doing all kinds of stuff. I was playing, I played in the blues band for a while. Uh, then, then, you know, doing all originals and, uh, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's like, you know, will you will ever be back, you know, in the limelight or doing any kind of touring again, you know, you sort of view it like, okay, wow, we had our shot and it didn't happen. And it's like, okay, uh, onto something else. That's where my head was at. So when when Mike Flint's called me up to come down to BB Kings, it was like I said, I, I you know, all right, you know, I'll do it. And uh, I was kind of I was kind of nervous and excited at the same time. And then later on, they called me up to uh, go to Japan, play the Loud Park Festival, and do the whole Fire Down Under album. And they paid me and everything. And so it's and I'm. I'm sending myself, you know, something Mark is gone, you know, and for them to continue, they had, you know, reach out to some of the original members to, to help the band get, get the gig. From what I understand, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten that gig in Japan if they didn't get somebody from the original riot. So that's how I was led to believe. Uh, seems no, logical. It, it, it added a lot of credibility to it and like i said yeah, i've always course. been a oh, very accepting no you know uh fan of thundersteel and that whole period but right, right, you right. being part of it definitely added uh, a lot of credibility you know so that's probably why that happened so so i was excited to do that so now all of a sudden like wow you know when we went to japan let me tell you something that was unbelievable i know um, I, ha- I have the dvd <laughs> <laughs> that was unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was great. I remember after the show, we did a a meet and greet, and there were lines, lines of fans. It was just I, I could not believe it. And they had fire down undershirts on. I mean, I, I still have videos and, and photos on my phone of that trip. How fanatical they were! I remember coming down in my hotel room one morning, it was like seven 30 in the morning. And I'm noticing a bunch of people, like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight people. And they're like in the distance, like looking at me and following me. And then one of them politely just said, Oh, we have our ride albums with us. Would you mind signing them? And I was like, I was like, I was blown away. I was like, wow, wow. you know, and they all lined up and it sort of like woke me up. And, um, uh, and after that show, I was I was I actually thought they were going to ask me to join the band. I actually thought that because I was I remember talking to some uh, I think their manager at the time or whoever was helping them, and they were talking about the fact that right it would give them more credibility to have somebody there or, or do that. But um, they're a very different band, and I'm a very different player. Right. Um, so maybe that's why they didn't. But for some reason, I was going, I, I was saying to myself. What if they asked me to join? I I don't know what I would have said. You know, I I just I didn't know what was going to happen after this. You know, after this show, and uh, was going to lead to something else. I I just didn't know. So I, 
then I never heard from them. And then, then a few years later, we have the heavy metal uh, Hall of Fame, where Riot's inducted into Eddie, Eddie Trunk is the host. And, you know, and then this is like the third thing that happens now. And then Lou's, I meet Lou at the airport, and he's going to it. And, like, we just, like, look at each other. Go, wow, this is just so weird. And then it turns out Lou had actually gone to Japan with the Riot Five. He went on his own, actually. Really? And he played some songs with them. Um, and then Lou and I appeared with them somewhere else in Brooklyn at some. I forgot where in Brooklyn was it? Oh, it was so the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bowl, I think. Yeah, that's what it was. Right. Right. Lou and I played there. You know, we met some people, everybody was just getting so excited about seeing, seeing us play, you know? So Lou would start calling me up. And he say, you know, we should do something. I know he's, I would, I'd say, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. I, you know, because I was always like hesitant. It's like, ah, you know, to, to try to revive something that you did 30 years ago, you know, fans are going to go, you know, you guys either suck or you're just so skeptical about doing stuff like that. But after those shows, they, they went over really well. And everybody was, you know, kind of excited, I guess, to see us play. After that heavy metal ceremony in California on the, on the flight home, you know, Lou's looking at me and he's smiling and I'm going, you know, maybe maybe we should do something. I think, you know, finally, maybe we should do something. So that's really the genesis of Riot Act, how, how it, it just sort of happens, you know? The thing with Riot is there's, there's two fanatical bases. There's, the, there's the, the classic lineup that you were part of. Yeah, and that's the, the, the Thundersteel lineup. And I, I guess when they bring you in, it's kind of try to merge those two sounds and eras together for a fan base and make it more yeah, appealing. Fans, yeah, fans are fanatical. You know, you got to get your fans, oh, you know, this is the real Riot. No, but, but these guys are really good. So, I mean, there's something for everybody. It's like, right. Uh, it's like, you know, with Deep Purple, like personally, to me, Deep Purple's. There's no deep purple without Richie Blackmore. <laughs> no, we've always uh, to me Richie Blackmore and and John Lord were deep purple, and without one of them, it's shaky. Without both of them, it yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, so it's like uh, you know, there's always whatever band you're into. Uh, it's always exciting to see original member of a band. Yes, you know? I agree. I it's, agree. It's just you know nothing against any other bands. Uh, and it's, you know, metal fans are really hardcore and they're going to like, you know, there's fans that like both periods. There's fans like one, some like the other. Fans get pissed off because, oh, they continued as Riot, but, but Mark's not there. You know, you know, Mark was a major part of Riot. You know, he was informed the bands. So, you know, I can see fans going, oh, you know, well, they call themselves Riot 5. You know, you yeah, know, they kind of uh, differentiate. I, I've supported them all yeah. the way through because I was a huge, huge fan of the Thundersteel period. And, right. um, I, I like Flint's and, and Donnie and yeah, I, I've, guy, I've, yeah. I've stayed with it and they've kind of, they've always done it with a lot of tact and taste and they've not tried to put it over as anything other than uh, kind yeah. of a glorified tribute Thundersteel band. But when they brought you in, it all kind of opened up, I think, a lot of doors for them because it brought back oh, again sure. uh, the classic Spiraz or uh, Mark Reality it period. Doors. Really, it opened doors for, for both, you know, for both of us, actually. So it helped them. It helped me. So got to look at it like that. You right. Know? So, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, you know, fans are fans. And, and you can't, it's, there's no, it's not a rivalry thing at all. It's right. just, 
to different bands. And, and my whole thing, you know, with doing this riot act thing was not to be uh, a riot tribute band because that's the last thing on earth I want to do. I've, I've always written originals and that's the whole concept of, even if I didn't get together with Lou, that's what I, I would have been doing is, is writing originals. And when we got together with Riot Act and got our singer, Don Chafin, it was like I was showing him material and he was just, you know, coming out with lyrics. And, and it was like, wow, this is just like, this was just meant to be. I finally found a singer that can put across the music I've been writing, you know. So um, so my whole thing was just like, okay, you know, yeah, people, all right. So I was in, you know, it's been Riot for many years, and but I didn't want to do a, a tribute band and want to do all original band, but it's it it started off um, since Lou and I together. You know, the whole buzz was wow, two of the original guys from Riot. So that was like a really big buzz, and everybody wanted to hear some of the songs. So that's why we originally did a six song EP because promoters they probably they probably wanted, hey, can these guys still play? Right. You know, they wanted to know that you know, there's something there. So that's why we wound up re-recording some of the old Riot stuff from just from that you know the period they call the classic period, I guess, you know, Rock City, uh, up to uh, Friday Down the Restless Breed. Uh, I'm sure we would have touched on songs Restless Breed, but that's that's what we did, and uh, that's how Riot Act really started, you know, just going on the buzz of Lou and I playing together. And the funny thing is, like, we never played together, you know, <laughs> because right. I came in on the Narita, he was gone. We were always friendly towards each other, but we never played together, and and when we started to play together, we just we got on so well. And it was just so much fun. Lou and I just had such a blast playing together. And I, I, Rick, I'm the traditionalist. So so to listen to the songs redone, I always have to say, well, what are they going to do? You know, how could you beat the originals? And, but I must yeah, say, I totally, totally, totally enjoyed it. Done with, oh, cool. Done awesomely, and especially that you have an awesome vocalist, and you stay true to the songs, and just added a freshness to it. Totally into it. It was it was great. Okay, and, cool. uh, thanks. And the new songs, me me and Tom are waiting for our CDs. We didn't get them yet. We both ordered. Both them. ordered them. Haven't them. gotten them yet. So we were Wait. only able to oh, watch. <laughs> we watched the three videos, which are great. Oh. So, so we're really oh, excited. Yeah, really happy. Album. But, oh, thanks, uh, man. Thanks. Yeah, we haven't had, me, both of us haven't got our albums yet, but we're waiting. We ordered them. <laughs> Did you order the import or the? Uh... I ordered the domestic as soon I as it. The domestic, yeah. yeah. Maybe I would have oh, been. Maybe I would have got friends... it quicker if I got the import. <laughs> yes, most of my friends got them. In fact, some of my friends just got them, like just like a two two days okay. ago. So maybe okay, this next should... week. Okay, cool. Yeah, wait till you hear the album. I think you get if you. If you well, did what you heard on the video, yeah, yeah, the, the videos are good. Yeah, so. really good. Well, uh, and and I'll, I'll repeat myself because I'm the traditionalist to say, all right, they're gonna redo, uh -huh. we're gonna redo the songs. Do I really need to hear sure. this? But it was great. It was great. So, <laughs> yeah, we love yeah, it's it. kind of weird, you know, to to redo the stuff because uh, you know you want to stay true to it. And our singer Don, he didn't great. know much about Riot. You know, he really he he knew Swords of Tequila, but he didn't know much about. And when he started to hear the songs, he was like, "Wow, you know, he really he started to really dig the songs, and he really liked Guy." And he wants, he goes, you know, I want to, I want to give him, you know, I want to respect his vocals and his lines and give tribute to him. And, uh, you know, we should, we should, we should stay true. You know, it's the, the lead guitars, the solos are different because we figured we're not going to copy the solos, you know, so we, we, the solos are different. 
and 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 it's just it's a fresh you know recording it's a modern recording so exactly. it sounds very powerful you know because rock city to me wasn't the greatest recording but when you hear the songs now it sounds like you know if you listen to warrior and and stuff from the early album it's just like wow but uh, it's a testament to the songs themselves written so many was, years ago yeah these songs, songs they stood the test of time they still resonate as good as they like, did 40 years ago right as tom and i are big collectors and and, cool. and enthusiasts we could That's say great. certain things we listen to and say well this didn't stand the test of time with right, the riot right. stuff, you could put it on now. Like I said, I still get goosebumps. So, oh wow, <laughs> that, that's, that, cool. that's a testament cool. to, to to the quality of the band, really, and the songs. Still great today. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, it was freaky because when I was in the control room, you know, Don was doing his vocals, and he would. I was guiding him because he would say, "How's this? How's this?" And it just took me back to being in the studio with guy i'm going right. I, I was telling him I'm going, you know this is just too freaky because at times you sound like guy and it's just and, and you're nailing it and it was just it was so weird for me <laughs> it was just now how yeah, did you really... how did you find this singer because he's uh, me personally right. I, i'm not that familiar with him how did you uh land well, him because he's, he's terrific yeah, he's really amazing. We, uh, by we were lucky. Lou, we, Lou and I were auditioning singers, and then somebody, a friend of his, suggested this guy Don, and, and Lou had knew who he was. In fact, our bass player Paul knew who he was. I had no idea who he was. Uh, he goes, yeah, he has a studio on Long Island. Um, goes, but I don't, he's so busy, he's doing stuff. I don't know if he would do it. So we had sent him three, three, three. Uh, three riot songs so this this friend of lose we got his number we sent him three songs since paul had worked i think had did a session for him once maybe so he knew who he was so don agreed to check it out and we went to the studio and we started playing and it was like oh my god we just we just looked at each other don just looked at us goes wow you guys sound amazing and we just snipped at him and said wow you sound amazing and it was just like it was like an instant pan. It was just it was like one of those magic moments, you know. I wanted to ask you also, uh, Sandy Slavin. Is he somebody that was ever in in, in the mix, or was potentially would be in the mix of of anything uh, when you were first getting the Riot Act off the ground? You know, um, the thought was there. The, the way this band came about, um, Lou had said, "Well, we need a band." And at the time, I was playing with. Paul and Claudio, our bass player and drummer. So we were, we were just doing covers, playing on the weekend, just to just to keep our chops going, just you know, just to make a playing. So I was playing with them for like a few years. So I said to I said to Lou, you know, hey, let's let's, let's check out Paul and Claudio. And so they 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 learned the material, and we, we rehearsed in my house, and uh, and it just came together so quickly. So it was like, wow, instant band. <laughs> right. Then it was just a matter of, you know, finding Don. So that's how it came about, you know. But I, I did, I was I was thinking of Sandy, and I was I was actually thinking of, of Jimmy, too. But, you know, Sandy was, at the time, I think Sandy was in Arizona, and Jimmy was in Florida. And, you know, everybody's older, everybody right. has jobs. And, right. and I'm going, you know something? It's never going to happen. It's never going to get it's, off the ground, much, right? Yeah, as much as it sounds so cool, it's gonna—it's never gonna happen, you know. And and that's we just proceeded with what was right here because it was 
everybody was just so into it. It was everybody lived close to each other. It was like, wow, let's just just go with this. Um, yeah, it would have been cool, you know. I mean, who knows what the future brings? But right now, this is this is working, and it's just a good combination. Rick, I have a very important question here. In the seventies, you're playing clubs in Brooklyn and Manhattan. You're in Mark's basement rehearsing. It's three, right. two, three o'clock in the morning. Did you go to Roland Roaster for to eat? Oh my god. <laughs> you're like you're a trip, man. Like, I told you this was gonna be a different type of interview. You know how many times I would go to Roland Roaster with my Constantly. No, it's still like open. Destination. It is. Sheep said Bay Road. Because we all did, Rick. We all did. I grew up in Gerritsen Beach. <laughs> so Roland Roaster was like three three miles from me. Is it still around? Yeah. Yeah, it's still open. It's still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah somebody told me they went there a few years ago, but I didn't think it was still. Oh, that's amazing. Wow, that'd be a trip to go there. I have to go there now. I have to go there tomorrow. <laughs> and Closer was uh, still open, but that wasn't open 24 hours. It's Brennan and Carr. And they're still open. Oh, that's so funny. That's so. Funny. I mean, there may be nothing else other than those two places right, that you'd Brooklyn. recognize right. forty years after the fact, but they're still there. Oh, that's wild. That's they're they're wild. like the cockroaches in a nuclear fallout. They're still there. I remember going there. That's still there. Their, uh, their thing was you could you you would order the roast beef sandwich and they gave you the broth and you. Right. You'd, you'd be right. able to dip the roast beef sandwich in the broth. Right. That's right. Wow. That's I told you we're going to take you back. Classic places, man. Wow. How cool. Now, where and, did you buy your records mm -hmm. early on? Uh, well, you know, I remember going to uh, oh, Titus Oaks. Oh, Titus Oaks, okay. Yes, that was his first yeah. one. Then he moved to Avenue. How about yeah, Corvettes? Yeah. Did you buy any records in Corvettes? Oh, yeah, Corvettes. <laughs> we all did. <laughs> Corvettes. My, my, Corvettes. my most epic wow. albums I bought in Corvettes. I'm really going to take oh, wow. you back. On King's Highway. You can and Alexander's, too. Yes. And Ale That's right. And, and now, King's Plaza Mall. Do you remember King's Highway by Hoffs? No. By Hoffs? By Hoffs was a sporting goods store. But they also oh, yeah, okay. sold records. Really? Yes. I don't know that either. I didn't know that. Uh, know it, was that about, it was about 14th Street. And King's Highway, and uh, okay, yeah, I didn't go down there that often. Joe yeah. Torrey, who grew up in Marine Park, right? In, in his biography, he said the only job that he ever had besides baseball, he worked at Byhoff Brothers on King's Highway in Brooklyn. Hmm. <laughs> How funny! <laughs> How funny! And they sold records there. <laughs> that is a weird combination. That's <laughs> right. Sporting goods and records, yes. <laughs> records, right. Did you ever it's venture bizarre. into Gerritsen Beach at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 in fact, oh, what, what did I – there was a theater. There was, what was the name of the theater there? The Graham Theater. Right. We used to go see um, – They had the midnight shows. <laughs> the midnight shows, I remember seeing – well, the, the big thing was Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. They had, had the Jimi Hendrix live at Maui. Yep, I, that's what I – <laughs> We were probably I, I there together. <laughs> I bet you, and I saw Pink Floyd. And Pink they had Floyd the Pink Pompeii. At Pompeii, that's right. Did they have Led Zeppelin, yeah. Song of Rage the same? No, oh, it, this oh. was before. This okay. was even before that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I remember going to that theater. Yep, quite a few times. The Graham yep. Theater. Yeah, that's where I grew yeah, up. That... Yeah, it's quite a name. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. yeah. Gerritsen Beach. Okay. And if you hung out in Very Gerritsen cool. Beach and hung out at all the bars, you were known as a beach rat. That was. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> so. 
Well, uh, <laughs> Rick, this is Mark. I'm jumping in because I, I just been sitting here the whole night listening to all you guys and big smile on my face going down memory lane. Big smile um, on his cool. face is because he's about 15 years younger than the rest of us. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, I said, you know, when, when this, uh, this episode came up and, uh, Tom was able to get Phil to come in, I said, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit by the, the side there and I'm gonna listen to, to this one. So, oh. This, this was pretty cool. It was a good interview. So what's going on currently with Rydak? You guys um, going to be playing some shows? Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, uh, what is it, August? The end of August, we're heading to England and Spain. And in end of September, actually most of September, October, we're going to be playing the States. Oh, that's great. All over the States, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's coming up. So, you know, we're really kind of uh, super excited to play since we haven't done a gig. The last time we played together was um, 2020 at the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame when we played there with, with Lou. We played uh, Rock City and Swords of Tequila. Eddie Trunk introduced the band, and he was sitting on the side watching with his mouth open. He was like, <laughs> he loved it. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe how good Don was. We walked off stage. He goes, man, he's, he's, he said, the band's great because I wanted to hear, I want to hear more old riot songs. And uh, so that was like, wow, Eddie likes us. So we were kind of excited about that. And uh, but that's the only time we played together because uh, oh, wow. then the pandemic hit and Lou passed away, and uh, we we didn't play for months. In fact, I was gonna, I, I after Lou passed away, I was saying to myself, you know, this is just not meant to be, and I don't think I want to do this. And you know, and just call it quits. I didn't think I pick up the guitar for like months, and uh, and then we got, you know, we just said to each other, you know, this is just too good of a band to just abandon. And uh, Lou would have wanted us to keep going, and all of us, we had just a lot of music in us. To, to get out there so that's what we did during the whole pandemic you know just putting together the album is finishing the bonus disc i had to finish all the guitar work on the bonus disc lou got got some i think he's 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 on he's on most of it i right? just a few tracks he didn't finish so i had, i finished those so we haven't played live so we you know so we're kind of freaking out it's been so long i can't imagine what it's like to play my first thought you said you're gonna to have to go over and play europe first like, here we go again it's like 40 years ago they gotta go over to over to, to the pond first <laughs> so they get yeah, the, right yeah they get the respect there and then they'll come back to the states what's wrong with us here <laughs> that's funny i know that's how it turned out it's just turned out the uh the person that's handling us uh, got us the gigs in England, so that's what's happening first. And then we'll come here. We're coming here with uh, with Raven in September. Oh, wow. are, they, are there dates announced for the U.S. yet? I don't think they're officially announced, but we we, we got they showed us uh, the cities. We're pretty much covering everything from east to west coast, even Canada. Are you doing New York, uh, New Jersey area. I know we're doing New York. I don't know where in New York, but New York was on the calendar. Yeah, there's definitely some East Coast states. Raven usually plays in um, the clubs in Williamsburg. I've I've seen them there oh, a yeah? couple of times in, in recent years. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, maybe that's what we're doing. I have no idea. And so it was just anytime a gig came up, it was either canceled due to the pandemic, and so it was really hard to get things going with the way it was in Europe. Uh, just not a very pleasant scene. 
Is there a is there a website, Rick, where people can keep up to date on um, Riot Act? Yeah, yeah, RiotActBand.com. RiotActBand.com. Very good. Well, um, Rick, hey, um, Phil, Tom, we all appreciate this. Uh, everybody, uh, Rick Ventura from Riot Act, uh, check out the brand new album uh, just released, what, last week? Uh, Closer to the Flame. Yeah, um, 15th, yeah. Yeah, so everybody check that out. We appreciate the talk, Rick. Yeah, it was a blast talking to you guys. Really Thanks very was. much, Rick. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was even more fun than yeah, I was, thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was really cool. I mean, you you guys really know your stuff and history and then and, and all the little uh, Brooklyn stops that we all made. That's right. <laughs> so, so we've been there for, from from almost day one. So we really appreciate the music. We love the music. We love you, and we should wish you the best. Yeah, let me know how you like the album. You know, I'd be, I'm really curious when you no, get I'll it. I'll reach out to you. I definitely so will. Reach yeah. out to me. Yeah, sure. Please do. Please and, do. And wherever you're playing, I'll, I'll make sure I'm I'm there in the area. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it's nice talking to you. Same to here. Take care, and, Rick. Uh, yeah, let me know. All right. All right take Keep care. in touch. Bye. Great. Thanks, Rick. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye. Hey, everybody, this is Mark from the Jersey Guys podcast. So we just talked with uh, Rick Ventura from the band Riot Act and, uh, of course, formerly from Riot. Uh, Tom, Phil, we got everybody in the studio here, all three of us. So how do you think uh, everything went there, Tom? Uh, as good as I could have expected. I listened to some of the interviews that he's recently done. And then while they weren't bad, I kind of figured that when me and Phil, who both grew up in Brooklyn at the same time that Rick did and were fans of the band from the beginning, that we'd add a little bit more flavor to this interview. And I think we added uh, quite a bit of flavor to it. Yeah, no, I, I think that I just sat here. I, I knew right from the start when, you know, you talked about having Rick as a guest and I, I wasn't, you know, just maybe because of my age, I wasn't really, I didn't grow up on Riot, but, you know, I know you did. And I know, of course, Phil did. So Phil, how do you, how do you feel about how the interview went? I think it went great. And I thought, like I said, Tom said, we brought a different perspective because basically we grew up with the band, especially me. I knew them before, and uh, Rick first found out about Riot at a block party, and that's exactly how I discovered them. So, oh, wow. <laughs> We're going back. Yeah. And and we could relate all the old Brooklyn stories, which I think he appreciated. So I think it went very well. Yeah, that was definitely cool. I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I sat here, and I just kind of sat on the sidelines tonight and uh, listened to you guys go at it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that was a real good interview. It was definitely unique, definitely different, uh, I think, than anything we've done before. Right, Tom? Yeah, I, I like the idea of having uh, guests in the studio. Maybe Phil will come back more, but... Uh He's sitting Put here on and I don't spot know. Here is, yeah, uh, come on. I, we had a good time. The first episode was great. And, uh, this one was good. So anyway, yeah, I think this was a good one. So uh, we'll be back with you guys uh, soon with a brand new episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one and uh, talk at you later.